Would you pray with me? Thank you, dear Lord, for being all that you said you were for us. I pray that through your Holy Spirit you would open our hearts to receive your word that you have for us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus says there are two great commandments on which all the law and the prophets hang to love the Lord our God and to love each other as we love ourselves. Our reading from Leviticus uh, is uh, taken from the the books that Moses wrote and uh, this is how the Lord says it through Moses. Um, you shall be holy, they says to the Jewish people, as I am holy. And it culminates in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, I, he starts out with this kind of idea of holiness and Leviticus, and then he goes through some things that you ought to do and ought not to do, and then he ends it with this, you ought to love. Well, anybody who grew up in the 80s would be asking the question, of course, what's love got to do with it? If you grew up with that, you'll know. I mean, what what does love have to do with all of this kind of holiness and holy way of looking at it? Well, it's pretty important, obviously, as we can see from our words from Jesus. And I find the concept of love in general kind of like headlights. When you start talking about love, there are certain people, just like when you turn on the headlights, that say, oh, finally I can see. And then there are other people who are like, I can't see a blame thing. Turn those things off. <laughs> and I know that here this morning, it's probably a little bit of both for some of us, but maybe you find yourself in the category of the people who say, oh, love, now I can see everything. I'm so glad we're talking about this this morning. And then there are other people who are like, love, like, oh, man, turn them things off. I can't see a blame thing. Which category are you in when you talk about love? Are you the, it's the same light? And by it, some of us can see everything. And yet some of us are blinded by it, and it's uncomfortable. For some of us, love is kind of like a refreshing drink that goes down easily, and for others, it's a little hard to swallow. But what strikes me in our readings this morning is that actually love is the whole point. It's just not possible to get through the Bible at all without coming smack into this whole concept of love. It's what God wants us to know about him, and it's what he wants us to know about how to live. It's at the center of both those questions. So in the history of Israel here, in, in the, if you want to follow along in the, uh, the book of Leviticus, this is very early on in Israel's history, 4,000 years ago or more. God commands Israel here, he's disclosing to the Jewish people the way that he wants them to live. And God says to Israel, I want you to live by this principle of love above all others. To love others and to love God are the greatest commandments. And in fact, he will go on to tell the the nation of Israel, that's actually why I called you as a distinct people, so that you would be a witness of receiving love and that you would be an expression to other people of giving that love out. 
And as you go through the Bible, that theme of love just gets bigger and bigger. Jesus says that these are the greatest commandments. Jesus says, in fact, not only should you love your neighbor, you should love your enemy too. Paul says even more, he says, and now abide three great things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, says Paul. And then finally you have the witness of the apostle John, God is love. It's like a snowball rolling down a mountain that just gets more and more and more powerful and more amazing. There's just no way out of this. Love is the essence of Christian faith from every angle. And sometimes it can be so hard to love. One of the things that makes it difficult, and we can see it right away in our reading in Leviticus, is because love originates in our hearts, and hearts are very tender. Look at the qualities that Moses describes as those that would be contrary to love. If you look in your reading from Leviticus 19, there's a couple of things you would do in court, so to speak. You would not be unjust, and you would not be partial This is kind of a heart issue because we're sentimental people sometimes. I would make a terrible judge. I would just feel bad for everybody. Eventually, I would probably learn my lesson and not feel so bad, but I I would be overly sentimental. You know, we're used to hearing the challenge from the, the scripture, and it's a good challenge, and it's a right challenge to meet the needs of the poor. However, here Moses says, in justice, you need to be impartial. That's really important. But he goes on, in your community, you shouldn't slander, you shouldn't feud, you shouldn't hate, you shouldn't be vengeful, you shouldn't bear a grudge. These are all heart issues. Oh, they express themselves in really concrete details of which there are thousands. But these are states of our hearts. Slander, hatred, vengeance, grudge-bearing. The origins of unloving actions originate in our hearts. That's why Moses says in, in a couple, chapter, couple books later in Deuteronomy, says God tests the heart. Paul says in the letter to the church to Rome, let love be genuine from a pure heart. I love trees. Trees to me are one of my favorite things to contemplate and to look at and um, think about and, and experience. Um, trees are, are uh, mysterious because you can't see the roots. They're way down there and they're large and they're beautiful and trees have age. I've seen trees that are thousands of years old. I think the oldest known tree is over 5,000 years old. Um, they're amazing things to think about, and they're symbolic of so much of our life because of that. You think of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You think of the tree of life, the tree that has healing in its wings and its leaves. And certainly from our reading in Psalm 1 this morning, we're to be like that tree. It's a beautiful picture of righteousness. And one of the things I find interesting about trees are hollow trees, um, in the middle of a tree is what they call heartwood. That's the, the, the wood in the middle, and sometimes you can see that if you dissect a tree, there's a kind of a different color right in the middle, the heartwood. And when the heartwood dies, that tree becomes hollow. And trees can live for a while like this. They can live for a long time being hollow, actually. You can see hollow trees, and they get you know, a little unsteady, uh, but they look fine on the outside. But eventually, they won't be fine. 
even though the outside looks okay, when the heartwood dies, that tree is going to fall. And that's what I find the Lord addressing is that he doesn't want us to be like a hollow tree where the heart is dying, even what it, no matter what it looks like on the outside. He wants us to be like that tree that we find in Psalm 1, strong, fruitful, prosperous, well-nourished, inside, and expressing itself outside in much fruit. So such a commandment to love others and also to love God exposes the condition of our heart. Not just the condition of our heart, but also the call of our heart. The problem is with our heart, and that's also the solution. We have to experience love if we're gonna show it to other people. There's no way around it. We have to experience love if we're going to show it to other people. Now, I often feel like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Remember the Grinch? His heart was three sizes too small. I feel like that a lot. Just not quite big enough for what it was supposed to do. Do you ever feel like that? I feel like I, my heart is shrunk. I know it's made for love. I know it's meant to receive love. I know it's meant to give love, but sometimes it just doesn't feel big enough. We have heart problems, all of us. Just like it's hard for our hearts to pump blood when the arteries are clogged with too much french fry grease or, Kris Kring or uh, Kringle frosting or whatever, it's hard for our hearts to love when actually what they're filled with is insecurity or fear, or doubt, or lust, or jealousy, or anger, or sadness and depression, or anxiety. Those things tend to take up a lot of space in our hearts, just like that French fry grease. And all that stuff builds up like a bad diet, and from the hard things that have happened to us, and from the bad things that we've done, it's like eating a bad diet. And so sometimes the call to love, if what it's shining on, like those headlights, is on all that kind of stuff, it's going to be hard to take. Love might feel a little blinding at that point. But nonetheless, God in his mercy says it again and again. It's about love because he knows that this is the call of our heart. I think the theologian that said it the absolute best said it over a thousand years ago. It was St. Augustine. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. God did not simply throw us down here to work this all out on our own. His love is the greatest love of all. In our reading, we see that giving love takes shape in very concrete actions. Our decisions, our speech, the words we use, the way that we show respect. When we love, the Bible says we love not only in word, but also in deed. Our love takes concrete shape. Now, the very th same thing is true 
with respect to the love of God, whose love takes very concrete shape. John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love is so concrete and so real, he sent his son, Jesus, who lived and taught. He died and rose again. He ascended to the right hand of his father where he intercedes for us. He poured out his spirit on us. Love is not just simply an idea to be understood. It's primarily, to say the point again, to emphasize it, to be experienced. You can read a hundred cookbooks written by famous French chefs, but until you actually take a bite and chew and swallow, you will never know the joy of good food. Some of us will spend our whole life reading cookbooks and never eating. And the invitation of God is to put the book down and to open your mouth and to experience the joy of real love. So in order to give love generously, we have to receive it, and it takes humility. God wants you to enjoy his presence. Do you know how to enjoy God's presence? This is something we can practice every single day. It's so accessible because Jesus is so good. Has your heart truly rested in God? Oftentimes, it's just a matter of opening our mouth every day and praying to the Lord in an intimate way. Father, thank you for your heart of love for me. Thank you for your smile. Thank you for your joy in being with me. Thank you that my heart can be healed and experience your love. Thank you that my mind can rest in your presence. Thank you that I can be still and know that you are God. Thank you that you made me. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you love me, no matter what. Thank you that you are close to me and you care about me even when I'm in trouble. I love you too. I worship you. I trust you. God wants you to experience his love this way every single day. To eat. Because that's the condition and the destiny of your heart. It's how he made it. And also, it tends to take that heart that's three sizes too small and it tends to make it bigger. And that heart that's bigger can start to include other people in it. When we're secure in the love of God, it gives us courage, great courage, and also discernment in our call to love everyone else. Nobody's left out of this command to love. We're to love not only our neighbor, but also our enemy. It's pretty comprehensive. And that's why there's just not one recipe here with respect to the love of other people. The way that we love other people depends on the nature of that relationship, and you can see this in our text today. There are the kinds of relationships that happen in court, where in this case, Israel as a people is learning how to treat others justly how to resolve conflict. There are the, there's the kind of love of a parent to a child and a child to a parent. There's 
the love of a wife or a husband. There is friendship love. There's the love that we show our boss. There's the love that we show our employee. There's the love that we show our coworker, our neighbor, our brother or sister. There's love that we show people who live far away from us that we've never met, we may see only in the newspaper. It depends on our role. There's the love of a soldier, a nurse, a teacher, a parent, a student. And so all these relationships have their own dynamics and the way that we show love takes discernment. Jesus loved every single person that he interacted with. There was not a single person that Jesus did not interact with in love. That includes the Pharisees, it includes the Sadducees, it includes Judas, it includes the Roman guards, it includes the people spitting on him, it includes everyone. He loved everyone. And look at how diverse Jesus' actions were. Jesus healed, he forgave, he rebuked, he challenged, he welcomed, he fed, he suffered, he interceded, he taught, he told the truth, he entrusted others to act on his behalf. There's so many different things that Jesus did, all as expressions of love. And that's why the challenge is that we have to be free from sinful motives that distort our perception of that person, that muddy the water. That's why there's no room for sentiment. That's why there's this hard word in Leviticus. You're not, if you're a judge, supposed to treat the poor differently than you treat the rich. That's sentimental. And that's different than the command to serve the needs of the poor. But you can see how very easily our own confusion can muddy the water of a human relationship. And the only way to be free from that is to experience the love of God. Sometimes love, love needs to be very tender. Like, a, like Paul said in Thessalonians in our reading, like a mother to her baby. Sometimes love needs to be very tough. Sometimes out of love we have to invite people in. Sometimes we need to open the door and put another chair at the table. Sometimes love has to say goodbye and put up a boundary. Love can never control. Love has to respect the choices that other people make, even bad ones. Sometimes love has to let other loving people into the mix. Sometimes we need the help of other people. Love cannot isolate itself. Sometimes we have to give even more generously than we ever could have imagined, and sometimes we have to say, no, I can't give you any more. Sometimes love has to open the door wide, as I said, and sometimes it has to build a wall. How do we know what to do? Well, when we're experiencing the love of God, and, we're, and when we are in fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ who can share that love with us, we'll have discernment. That's how we'll hear God speak. Prayer is one of the least used and strongest forms of love. You can pray even for your enemies. Jesus says, 
pray for your enemies. That's one of the ways we show love to them is through prayer. And you can pray for those that seem to be out of your reach because nobody's out of God's reach. And you can pray for those that you don't know how to help because God knows how to help. You can pray, Lord, that person needs you. That person is an object of your love. That person matters to you. That person is more than their wealth or their appearance or their faults or their successes. The person was made in your image. You have a will and a, a purpose for that person and I can serve you by serving them, by respecting them, by not getting mixed up in my motives. Of course, we can obey. When the Lord shows us the way, and this takes courage, to walk in love is an act of obedience that completes the, or consummates what the heart has revealed. The Bible calls this bearing fruit. Nothing will cause us to confront our own limitations faster than love. That's the first thing you'll know when you embrace the love of God and when you show the love of God. Nothing will cause us to confront our limitations faster and that is part of the plan all along. We're supposed to feel uh, dependent. Don't run from love. Don't be afraid of love. You were made for love. You were made to show love. We need to experience this love. This is the hallmark of a Christian community is that it's steeped in love. The love of God and the love we have for each other. People need so badly, probably now, I mean as much today as ever, people need to experience real, honest love from you. Courageous love, not sentiment, not confusion, not jealousy or envy or those other things. We desperately need to experience honest love. Let's be that community. It may seem hopelessly complex for you. It may seem out of reach. It may seem impossible, and it is. But with God, Jesus says, all things are possible. I'll just close with these words from John the disciple that Jesus loved. He says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. We love because he first loved us. Amen.